Abba Yahweh, thank you for this day again. Bless and grace for the opportunity to share your word. For them that have an ear, let them hear. Abba Yahweh, Aman. Yeshua, Aman. Paraklitos, Aman. So this word and sharing is brought to you by Heaven Sent University. The Chancellor of the University is Lord God Almighty. Vice Chancellor being the Lord Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son. And the leader of counseling and teaching is Parakletos, the Holy Spirit. This word is brought by Him. It is His truth, His knowledge, and His wisdom. I am but a vessel and a conduit used to share the word, to spread the word. We have two scriptures that are very profound in this. One of them, actually, Jesus utilizes. And it is the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, Then cometh the wicked one and catches away that which was sown in his heart. Thirsts, thistles, he which receives seed by the wayside. But he that received the seed unto stony places the same as he that heareth the word, and anon with joy received it. Yet hath he not root in himself, but dureth for a while. For in tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and care of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. But he that receiveth seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also heareth, beareth fruit, and bringeth forth some an hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. So, another parable, continuing in verse 24. Put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But when men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares away of the wheat. And went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the household came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? He said unto them, As an enemy hath done this. The servants said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay. Lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them to bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. So what is the Lord talking about when he's teaching this parable? The understanding is that we... As the sowers, we as the sharers of the word share 
the word, we share the truth, we share the knowledge and we put it out. And there are many that get caught up with the things that are going on in the world. They're so concerned with that. They start before the seed even has a chance to reach maturation or be nurtured. They start to worry about everything that's going on and the enemy takes advantage of this. And tares are waste seed. They're just weeds. And remember, I've shared this with you before. Beware those seeds. And don't let those weeds grow up into the garden so that they grow enough that your vision is blocked to see all the beauty and all the majesty of the Lord around that you allow those seeds to, to grow so high and then you can't see or pay attention to what's going on. The truth that's going on. Beware the seeds of the weeds. That white noise interference that the minions will put in the field. And what is the field? The field are those out there that have and are hearing words that we share of the truth, of the word of God, and that white noise interference. And they're troubled by everything around that they're not paying attention to what the word is saying. And then there are some where it's just stony ground that their hearts are hardened and they're just so caught up in everything of the world that that's their preference. That's their choice to be caught up in those things that are of the temporal, the big houses, the many cars, and thinking that they're having everything that they need to have. Well, they've confused the needs with want. There was a time that I had done that. I was confusing my wants with needs. God knows what I need. I've shared before that I don't have nearly what I had before. That time is gone. But when I look around, the Lord provides. The Lord gives me what I need to have. Might not be what I want to have. But that does not matter and I should not allow it to matter. The same with any of you out there that are hearing this word. Do not allow it to matter so much that what you want overshadows what you need. What you need is the truth. What you need is the knowledge and the wisdom that God provides. And our, our duty, our calling, our command as those that believe, truly believe, is to share the word of God, to share that truth. An interesting reading that I was, and I, I didn't even know this word, but I learned something this morning, and that um, God, God's a pretty amazing engineer. Um, and this we can find in the seeds of the maple. And this was way before helicopters even existed and where I think someone may have been watching these things take flight and utilize them in the building of helicopters. Where is he going with this? Well, where I'm going with this is that God in the maple tree, the seeds, and I used to see these with a kid and, and when I was a child, my friends and I used to play with them. And it was the seed from the maple, but then 
the uh, not even sure what you would call it, but it had what appeared to be wings attached to it. And when the seed would fall from the tree and get caught in the breeze, the seed would spin. It was like a helicopter. It would whirl around and the seed would be carried. And it would light on the ground. And then the seed would get rain and nourishment from the soil. And it would sprout and grow. And many people that have a maple in the yard are going through the yard and and always pulling up trees that are sprouting so that the one large maple that they have has not become a maple forest. I mean, some people's yards are not capable of handling that. And it's very interesting that God's engineering and his provision for everything it's a wonderment that we should be looking at and being and send praise and and thanks to him for these things how beautiful is this that he creates his thing and there are uh, things that i see in nature that i don't understand how they travel there are uh, many seed pods that are carried by the wind God's created all those. Now there's a there's a weed that we consider we consider it a weed. The dandelion. Take a look at the dandelion. It comes up as this nice little bright yellow flower and then it eventually seeds and, and dries out and then it becomes this fluffy little cotton ball on the end of the stem. And then when a heavy wind comes by, the seeds take flight. They are carried by the wind and they go wherever the wind takes them. They lie to the ground and then you have more dandelions. But here's the thing too. Before the dandelions come to seed, it's actually a good green food. You can pull the greens, wash them, clean them. They're edible. You can eat them. But people look at them as a weed and a pest. You have wild mustard that grows similarly it's nourishment, it's food, it's provision. But isn't it interesting how mammon looks at everything toward the negative? Well, I won't say everything, but and I won't say everyone, but mammon has a tendency to degrade everything. They gripe about the weeds, but they don't understand that if you pull them before they seed, they're actually good to eat can put them in a salad. They're very high in nutrients. God's provision from his medicine cabinet is so awesome. It's so wonderful. And you have these things that come in the jars and all this stuff. You have mammon saying, we can make it better, faster, and stronger. We'll do this, we'll do that, we'll do that. How are you going to make it better and stronger than God that he puts in his medicine cabinet and he puts in his pantry for us to utilize? But yet, Typical of mammon, we want it now. We want it now. We want it now. We can't wait. We want it better, stronger, and faster. But yet, when you look at all the things and you read labels, I I have a tendency to read labels. There are so many poisons or detractions that are added in as ingredients for carriers and different things, and they're terrible for our bodies. But what comes from God is purity. His truth. His knowledge, his wisdom, it's pure. 
but yet there are people that will detract from it. And we have those perverted so-called preachers that will be on the stage and they're saying how everything needs to be rewritten or changed or, or altered because the time is different, the era is different. But here's the point. God is the same as he was yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. It is the same. His truth is going to be the same forever. His love for us is going to be the same forever. And when you look at the truth, you look and you follow the rule of faith, regula fidele, you go from the front of the book to the back of the book and back again and share and study, and you will see that everything is interwoven. Everything is together. When man walked away from God, turned his back totally and wholly on God, he repented from his creation. Mammon. Noah tried to preach to the world that was around him for 120 years while he was building the ark. He spent time in sharing the word of God, the truth. They scoffed, they laughed, they made fun of. And ultimately, when God said, Noah, it's time. Noah took his family and all the creatures that were there and about the ark went in and God put his hand on the door and sealed it. And Noah with his family and all the creatures that God directed were sealed in the ark. Then the rains came down, the floods came up, and then they all ran, but it was too late. Let us in, let us in, we're sorry, we repent, we repent. In the midst of that storm, they wanted to repent. Given the opportunity to do so, they did not. Instead, they made fun of Noah. They made fun and belittled God. And they made fun of the fact that Noah believed in something that they couldn't see. But God was there. God was ever-present. God was watching. And the floods came down and destroyed the world as was known. And I share that to share this, that God does not want that again, which is why his only begotten son, who was the word, who was with God from the beginning, was God with him, and the word was made flesh and manifest a man and came as his only begotten son so that we would have the opportunity for salvation, redemption, and to repent from what we have done and what we have been doing and be saved and become heirs and joint heirs with Jesus and become heirs apparent in the kingdom of heaven. This is what is offered to us. And this is the testimony that we need to share that are in the seeds that we put out. I'm a sower. I put out the seeds. And if your heart is hardened and you just want to belittle and make fun of it, be aware that you are going to suffer repercussions. And those repercussions are from your choice. God does not condemn you as some of these perverts will be on stage and they will say that John 3.16 is being taught wrong and that God condemns us. No, 
God does not condemn you and try to blackmail you into acceptance of Jesus. He offers you the opportunity and it's freely given by his grace. He gives that. We cannot buy our way into heaven. No matter what we try to accomplish in earning repayment, it cannot be bought. And our good works are not the payment for our salvation. Our good works come from our salvation. We are saved and we produce good works because of our salvation. The grace of God, a gift from God that is freely given because of his love for us and the opportunity that we have to say, yes, I will believe that Jesus, I do believe Jesus is your only begotten son. I will have faith and Holy Spirit guide my steps. Let's go. That is the truth not the perverse testimony that's being shared that God is condemning us. No, we condemn ourselves by refusal to believe the truth. And when we spread our testimony, which is the seeds of the truth in the word of God, some of it will fall on good soil and produces a harvest. There will be those that say yes. I do believe that Jesus is your only begotten son. I will have faith and I want the Holy Spirit to guide my steps. Some will be a hundredfold, some 60 and some 30 as it states in Matthew 13. But what we need to do is keep the testimony alive. We need to keep repeating the word, the truth that God provides for us and share that so that everyone will have an opportunity to share in that. That is what we must do and that's what God calls us to do. And there's what we need to make sure that we do is continue the sharing. Share this word. Share his truth. And we need to make sure that we continue his truth. His truth and his words. That is what we need to do. We need to provide that so that others can hear it and make a decision prayerfully that they would accept the truth and that they would hear the truth. And this is why you will find in the book of Revelation that when Jesus provided the vision to John on the island of Patmos and when he was sending his letters to the churches, every single one of them contains not once, sometimes twice, and sometimes thrice. It will say, for them that have an ear, let them hear. That meaning that if you have spiritual hearing, you will hear the word, you will hear the truth, and you will garnered the information from that and you will accept that as the word of God. If you don't have hearing of spiritual nature, you're not going to hear it. It's just like the lesson that that God was teaching Elijah when he was on the Mount Hebron and he had him out on the face of the mountain. The loud winds, the heavy winds that were moving stones upon the face of the mountain, the thunderstorms, the lightning, earthquake, And the great fire that erupted from the lightning storm. 
all these things were distracting, a pull from the noise. And then the spirit brought him back into the cave. And what did he hear? What did he hear? The still, small voice who was always there. But he couldn't hear it because of all the turmoil and everything that was going on around. And we allow that to happen as we walk in our life. We allow that white noise interference to interrupt what God is trying to tell us. And we have to be aware of this. We have to be aware of his truth and his knowledge and his wisdom. In the book of Acts, in chapter 8, this is pointed out in my study. I'm going to read, I'm going to read from verse 1, because this, this, is, this is truth, and it, it's about what the world is today. And Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women committed them to prison. Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Unclean spirits were crying with loud voices, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies and that were lame were healed. And there was a great joy in that city. And it continues speaking about a man named Simon. No, not Simon Peter, a different Simon. And this man used sorcery or used wiles, trickery. And he had been before the time in that same place. And in his trickery, he bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that he himself was some that he was the great one and he could do all this healing and all these things. And they gave heed. And they said that he is the great power of God. And he took that laudation unto himself. He took that in his arrogance and he took it upon himself. And they had high regard because of that long time before Philip came that he had taken down and he had bewitched him with his sorceries and trickery. 
And when they believed Philip was preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and speaking the truth in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women. And Simon, he believed also, and he was baptized. He continued with Philip, and he wandered with him and wandered in the miracles, and he wanted to do that thing. But here's the thing. He offered to buy. You cannot buy the gifts of the Spirit. And we see down in verse 17, then laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw that through laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money saying, Give me also that power that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part, none, lot, no lot in this matter, for they, thy heart is not right in the sight of God. You repent, therefore, of this, thy wickedness, and pray, God, that perhaps he thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. For I perceive that thou art in the, the gale of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Then answered Simon and said, Pray ye to the Lord for me, that none of these things which ye have spoken come upon me. This is... The lesson that we have to learn and that I've shared is that we cannot buy our salvation. Salvation was a gift of God. Don't, don't insult God or the Lord Jesus who came freely, voluntarily to do this thing. And because God loves us so much that Jesus came for us, he is without sin. But when Jesus came to our plane of existence and came to this world, he became man and he took on the sin of the world, which can be heard when he cries out to the Lord God on the cross. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? In that moment, Jesus had taken on all the sins of the world and became sin. God could not look at his own son because he had become that wicked thing that he came to destroy, sin, and bringing on to repentance of the world. And God turned away from his only begotten son so that at that time, Jesus became all the sin took it all off of himself so that we could be cleansed and redeemed. He came to pay the ransom. Nothing we can do can purchase that or repay. It doesn't matter how many lifetimes that we work at trying to repay that thing that he brought. And we need to just be thankful that God is there, that he shares his truth. I thank God that he gives to me the opportunity every day. He allows me to draw breath 
By his grace and his mercy, his mercy, he allows me to continue. By grace, we are given that thing that we do not deserve at all. We don't, you think what? You're going to take it for granted and you think that you deserve all this from God and that you just take it for granted and believe that it's going to happen? Oh, no. Oh, no. Look at the word. Tomorrow is not promised for anyone, for anyone standing. And remember, I share with you this. God has no respect of any man or woman for your possessions or what you have. Do not take for granted that grace that God gives and the mercy in allowing us to continue to have that gift and use that gift that we don't deserve anyway. But by his grace, he gave it to us. By his mercy, he continues to allow us to have it and to utilize. That breath of life that he gives me every morning is a gift from God, graced to me by my Lord, Father, God Almighty. And mercifully, he allows me to continue because he has a purpose. And that purpose is to share his truth, knowledge, and wisdom to anyone that will hear and have an ear and hear. This is what God has me to do. And we have to remember, I've shared with you the difference between showing off and showing out. God, God provides us, and uh, one of my teachers has shared this, and Isaiah actually shares it, in Isaiah 61 and 10. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments and as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. For as the earth bringeth forth her bud, as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause the righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. When you wear that garment of righteousness that he provides, by sharing his truth, his knowledge, and his wisdom. We are showing out that which God has put into us. Believing that Jesus is his only begotten son, having faith in God and following the steps that are given to us by the Holy Spirit. We are parading, as you will, the righteousness of God and what he has. People are able, as we move about, to see this. This is what we're supposed to be doing and showing out. Not showing off everything that, that we've read and things and, and being a braggart. And we have to be very cautious in our words because words can be a tanglement. I have had that lesson shown to me a few times. God does not allow certain things because I've become too platformed. It, it's become mine this is not my platform. God has blessed me with this podcasting. It's his podcast. I am simply a mouthpiece. 
I am sharing the Word of God through this, His podcast. I've shared with you how this came about. I was looking to do this because it was suggested by someone that I do this because I get rather verbose when I get to talking about God. You've all witnessed that a few times. I don't know where that comes from, but <laughs> yeah, I do. When I get to talking about God I, I and the Word, I do get carried away. In my defense, there was a few times when John went on and, and they had elders when he came to visit and preach. And they told him and said, hey, John, you know, we've heard about all of this and this and this and this. And your sermons are a little bit long. Can you cut back on that and say something new? <laughs> John, yeah, for the first few moments, he was talking some new Things and then immediately went right back into what he'd been teaching about before. And some of John's sermons were actually very long-winded, hours in duration. Not that I would do that. I only get a certain amount of time in this device. But John went on. There were people taking a dinner break and they would come back. They would take a nap. They would wake up and come back. I mean, he was he was very on and on and on about the Lord and about God and about the truth, knowledge, and wisdom. And nowadays, folks are so caught up with their time that time is of the essence and time is theirs and they got to get out of church. What do they, what do they have to be in such a hurry to leave church for? Well, because they have guests coming over, because they have a playoff game coming on, because they have uh, a game set and recorded and they got good food. Everything goes on about everything else except the word of God. Me, I don't have a problem sitting down there. If the if the surface goes a little bit long, I don't get caught up in time and got to go, got to go, got to go. It's the Word of God. But simply for this device sake, and, and it will cut off. It will cut off. And remember this very important thing. And we can find this in Paul's letter to the Corinthians and remembering the gifts and the payment and the atonement that was brought by Jesus Christ for our sins. And we can find this, and this is an important word, in 2 Corinthians 5. Now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of spirit. Therefore we are always confident knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore, we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. Now, we have to remember that God provided all these things. And this is for us. And God is made for. This, in verse 20, 
Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Jesus knew no sin. He was perfect. He came from heaven, came here, because God did not want the world to be condemned to death, as the perverts will preach on stage. They pervert the word of God in saying that it's being taught wrong and that God condemns. No, he doesn't. Not at all. It's completely the opposite. He's given us a choice, a free will choice, which he gave to us from the beginning. When he created us, he gave us a choice to be able to make a choice, to choose to be with him or choose not. He didn't want robots. When he walked with Enos, he walked with him in the cool of the evening as he did with Adam and Eve. Things were made perfect then. And then Eve was beguiled by the spirit of Satan who appeared as a serpent and spoke to her and tempted her. Basically what he told Eve is that God lied to them. God lied and didn't provide all the information. He didn't have to. He is sovereign Lord. He forbade them to eat of the fruit of the tree in the center of the garden. He just told them. You can eat anything here, but don't touch that tree. Well, Satan used his wiles and the white noise interference and beguiled her thought process and said, Hey, you won't die. You're going to be just like God and live forever. Go ahead. Taste the fruit. Take it. Take a bite. See what it... She found that the fruit was good and delicious, so she gave it to her husband. And Adam ate it. Before that time, God would come and visit with them and walk with them in the cool of the evening. He walked and he talked. And then they fell because they chose to listen to the beguiling untruth of the enemy. And then God came down and said, Hey, Adam and Eve, where are you? He knew where they were. And they said, We're here. We heard you. And we became afraid because we were naked. And then... Of course, the truth had to come out from them, but God already knew. He said, so who told you that you were naked? You should come and walk and talk with you all the time. It didn't bother you then. Of course, this is paraphrasing and inter- interpolating in between the lines, but I'm certain that that conversation took place, reasonably certain. So who told you you were naked? I used to come down, you were naked then, and we used to walk and talk in the cold of the evening. It didn't bother me, it didn't seem to bother you. Now all of a sudden it bothers you? Explain that to me, please. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, Eve, she took the fruit and she brought it to me. But she brought it to me and she believed what the serpent told her. Oh, and then it just started unraveling because everything started coming out more and more that they chose to believe the white noise interference or the lies of the devil over the truth of God. There are many that do that same thing now. 
But remember this, in 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He came to rescue, save, pay our ransom because before that we were in bondage. We were in bondage by Satan. That white noise interference as he continually binds us to the past. He wants us to believe that we are still there and many believe things of the past. They don't believe the truth. They don't believe what comes is repentance and everything is be fine. And you have people that want to remind you of the way you were in the past. And it seems that they take great delight in that. Why? How has that exercised any bit of control at all? It doesn't, and the truth be told, that you don't have control. Only of your immediate space around you, so you don't want to be around that person anymore. You don't want them to... And because you're still believing the lies and you're caught up and bound up in that, and you don't see past that little prison wall that you put yourself into. That's unfortunate, and sometimes it's very sad. But in reality, I don't have control over that. You don't have control over that. God is sovereign, and in God's timing, just like I shared with you when the pastor was sharing his word, that those notes that were written in the sides and the margins in, the, in my father's Bible, my earthly father wrote those in there, he passed away. He left this plane of existence in 1999, February 7, 1999, I believe is the exact date, February the 7th, 1999, at 5.30 in the afternoon, he breathed his last breath. When he wrote those notes in the margins, I don't know, but I know that the last few years that he had, he was not capable. So it had to be before that. It had to be... 1994, 1995, but the confirmation that God brought back all the way around to Sunday morning. For me, that's a firm confirmation because the wording that was used by my lead pastor was the same thing that my father wrote in the margin of the Bible right underneath that. Isaiah 55, going down to the bottom in the page margin, as the pastor said the word, and he said the two words actually, of our life, right down at the bottom of the page, of life. My father wrote it in there, of life, in his handwriting. He was reading and learning and being told the same thing. Twenty, almost 30 years ago. And that confirmation came back around by the Lord God Almighty. You have to remember this. God's timing for things is not our timing. His watch doesn't function the same as ours does. So knock off all this. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? When are you going to tell me? When are you going to show me? When are you going to give me? Give me, give me, give me. Then work that way. And Jesus made that abundantly clear. 
when the disciples asked him, oh, when, 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 when? And what was his response? None know, save the Father. Not even the angels of heaven speak of this thing. When it's time, God says, it's time the trumpet will sound and the shout of the archangel will split the heaven and the lion of the tribe of Judah, who is promised to return, will be seen by all the world. And it will be done in his time, not in your time. Everything that God does is in his time, not in your time. So quit looking at the watch and quit being like that kid in the back seat kicking against dad's seat of the car going, are we there yet? 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 When are we going to get there? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? When you get there, you're going to know. And it's going to be great. I can remember traveling as a kid with my parents and we used to try that stuff and he just says, hey, if you don't stop, we'll just turn around and go home. Why don't you just wait? And when we get there, you're going to love it. Got there and loved it. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, we just have to have faith and know that God's provisions are always there for us. His mercy is boundless. His blessings are limitless. He is a faithful and true God that takes care of us and delights in loving us. And his delight is when we love him back, we pray and we talk to him. You are in my prayers, my going out, my coming in. I remind you of that each and every time because it's there. My going out, my coming in. Be blessed.